Hello, it's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Hala Ravenna Hunt Hendricks of the band Liturgy, who are known as a transcendental black metal band. And really their sound goes in all kinds of directions. You do have that black metal bass within the tremolo guitars and a variation on the blast beat that Hala terms the burst beat. But you've got so much classical, progressive rock, groove metal, trap, loads of different elements all being hauled in from all over the place. And theology is a big preoccupation of Hala's. The music is an arm of that as well, a means of exploring it. Potentially where language fails, music then picks up the slack and explores those ideas that don't lend themselves to being verbalised or written down. So you end up with these really striking sonic combinations that I guess are the output of this theological exploration. The new album, 93696, on Thrill Jockey, feels like the biggest release yet. I mean, it's really long. It's like 82 minutes, but the scale of the sound as well is just tremendous. It's probably my favourite liturgy record. I love speaking to Hala. This was special. Hope you enjoy it too. So you can donate to Crucial Listening, if you so please, if you're enjoying it, over at coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash crucial listening. You can donate monthly. You can just donate once, any amount you please. And that helps keep the show afloat, keeps everything ticking. And hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you for listening, as always. This is Hala Ravenna Hunt Hendricks of Liturgy on Crucial Listening. Hello, Halo. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. So, first, I want to talk to you about before we get into your important records, which you've brought three of, as requested. I want to talk about your new album on Thrill Jockey nine three six nine six. So, one of the things that really jumped out in the accompanying text of this is where you mentioned the fact that you recorded this album to tape and wanted to go for a more live approach for this one and more of a punk meets classical thing so I wanted to start there I mean why did that feel like the sound you wanted to strive for with this record you know I think that uh, it was something about really um underscoring like where the band really comes from um you know people think of liturgy as a metal band and um, obviously we are in a sense, but we really sort of encountered the, the metal scene kind of late in the game. Um, you know, we were really playing shows originally in a sort of you know, math rock uh, and experimental punk context, you know, and I, and I was studying classical music at the, at the time. Uh, classical composition, you know, and just kind of in New York. And, you know, like the band has never really been part of a metal scene in a straightforward way. And somehow, you know, as the band got better known, it was categorized as metal. I mean, I do call it metal. So mm-hmm. in a way that makes sense, but it's also because of musical techniques but yeah, so I there, there was something meaningful to me about really on, on the one hand producing the record in a kind of scrappier way, I guess, or sort of um, yeah, just just making it sound more like a math rock record, which is it, people 
a lot of people don't even know what math rock is, you know, um, compared to <laughs> compared to the amount of people who know what metal is. It's never been a very popular genre, but hmm. um, it's, it's it's meant a lot to me. And a lot of, you know, I mean, I, I could have uh, brought in three math rock albums, actually, you know, if uh, in terms of important albums, like that was a style of music that um, was a big influence on me. Hmm. And um, but then, but then, not not just that, also the the live performance aspect of liturgy is really important to the band and um i wanted to somehow just have a record that maybe sounded more live and i i hope that was achieved i'm i'm not sure totally sure that it was but um it's it's very contrary to the direction a lot of things are going these days of you know going more towards a computer uh this was kind of which which i'm i like computers too i love computers but um yeah anyway so there's a that's a cluster of reasons why and how did that pan out for you in terms of i don't know how you heard yourself in the recorded context so i think because of you mentioned the techniques that you you use and the categorization that tends to occur for you being within metal if you have tremolo picking like that and you have the drums like that, then a snappier production feels like the thing that you go in expecting to hear and you get hit. What's wonderful with this record is that there's more of a wall of sound element because there is maybe a bit more space which is getting in between the hits and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, what was it like hearing the results of going through this process and having that intention and then coming out the other side? Yeah, I mean, it was a little scary, actually, because, yeah, I mean, uh, like, I was happy with how it sounded, but then I was also like, oh, I kind of get why people record metal in this other way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and, and we recorded it with Albini, mm. um, and, uh, yeah, but we ended up mixing it with uh, Seth Manchester, who recorded our last couple albums, and mm. he's he, he's really good at bridging the gap between those worlds anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely, a, I, I think it sounds different um, than mm-hmm. there are other records. Yeah, I mean, I, I stand by the choice. <laughs> it's great. Um, this <laughs> next question is maybe a big one, so I don't know how easy it is to distill into a little intro of this podcast, but I understand as well that there are four movements comprising this record. This album is, you know, 80 minutes plus, there's four movements, and I think I read about that after my initial listen to the record and I hope you don't mind me saying but I think because of your sound has these internal references to itself you know coming at various points throughout the record I don't think it's always easy to perceive you know four movements happening in like a linear fashion so I was really interested to read that afterwards and kind of try to retroactively dissect what they may be, but I wonder if you could tell me a bit about the structure of the record and these four movements that comprise it. Right. Um, I mean, the the linear flow of the record is really important too, mm. uh, for sure. And I, I put a lot of attention into that of sort of having having like you know that that overall mountain range or whatever of different different tempos and feelings and cities um but as far as the four movements goes i mean each each uh you know quadrant of the record governed by an instrumental track uh you know each of them have the word angel in them and mm. they're associated with four uh four, four concepts that are i think of as structuring principles for heaven uh, you know, in in the vision of the kingdom of heaven that this album is supposed to represent, you know, it's supposed to rep- it's supposed to represent heaven. It's supposed to sort of sound like heaven. I think liturgy's music always is kind of supposed to sound like heaven. I think, or that's I don't know, that's what I want it to sound like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been developing this kind of philosophical work alongside the music of the band and. The aim of the philosophy is is eschatology. You know, it's it, it's all it's all about imagining. You know, what a what a world, a sort of future world could be like, where 
where the human condition is resolved somehow. So yeah, I mean, in essence, I mean, I, I could go deeper into what each of those concepts is, you know, there's sovereignty, hierarchy, emancipation, individuation, but in, in, in a lot of ways, the, the the concepts with which the record is associated, like they, they kind of belong elsewhere. Like I like I wasn't trying necessarily to like put the concepts into the music, mm. but to kind of create a pointer to like a different a different body of work. You know, like I I have a Substack where I you know write about this stuff or I speak about it in YouTube videos. One other thing, actually, that it does seem that you're pointing to in the track list is a lot of previous songs as well which i found really interesting you have pieces that are the you know second iteration of various pieces like Heligan from the artwork uh mortal life as well mm-hmm. could you tell me a bit about that this kind of act of continuing or or you know picking up on these threads from throughout your discography yeah yeah i mean um yeah, I mean, not everyone is super aware of Immortal Life, which is the the first EP of Liturgy, which mm-hmm. never got a wide release. And um, yeah, the the album closes with the, the the theme of the first track of that that EP, and there are lots of references to different Liturgy songs uh, from throughout the band's history. Uh, you know, the record's just this kind of swarm of stuff. Uh, it's very long, it's very complex, and it was written during this crazy time that we're in, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, it was... Even the music that is not on old albums was also, a lot of it was, in some form or another, composed before the pandemic, but but most of the work on the record has started during 2020. And... You know, I didn't really have a concept of why I was wanting <clears throat> to use older motifs, but uh, it just felt it just felt apocalyptic to do that. <laughs> I guess you know, there's there's definitely this kind of life flashing before your eyes quality to the record. In in a way, like I have no intention for this record to be Liturgy's last album. Like, I, I want to make more records. I'm planning on it, but it does feel like Liturgy's last record. <laughs> I was literally going to ask you because, <laughs> especially the way it ends, is so, so obliterative. It's incredible. And it feels, yeah. you know, it does feel devastating. You're like, yeah. Thank you for clearing that up. I'm, I'm yeah. glad I mean, more. I mean, I mean, to be honest, I, I have no idea what to do next. Like, I don't, I don't have. Like, I love playing music and I love playing with my bandmates, so I want to make more music, but the it does feel like the last record. Like, it, it's something about just the way it all came out and, and the way it ends. Um, it, it would be a nice finishing touch, I think, but I don't know. <laughs> So ho- ho- hope- hopefully it's not that's not a prophetic statement. <laughs> I mean, it's I, I've been affected by this record maybe out of all of the liturgy records. Um, having a really tremendous time with it. So um, yeah, I really really implore people to listen and dive in and feel like the world is ending. It's quite something. It's a really really wonderful record. Um, so, oh, yeah, actually, Sorry. I sh- oh man, yeah, go for it. I just realized i I should have um I should have given I should have said Aphrodite's. Do you know the album Six 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 by Aphrodite's Child? No, I don't. Oh, well, anyway, I, it's I stupid to bring this up right now, but uh, <laughs> there's there's a particular record that is a big influence on this album called called Six 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 by Aphrodite's Child, which is uh. Evangelist's band. Uh, forget, forget. I said this. Just keep going. What's your next question? <laughs> okay. Um, so we should talk about your important records now, Hala. So one yes. question I like to ask at this point is how you thought about the word "important" in picking your list. So was there a way you understood "important" in order to come up with the three records that you did? 
Um, I like that question. Uh, yeah, I just <laughs> I just heard that that would be a question, um, and it's it's a good one because <laughs> um, it makes me just think of what's so cool about music. Um, mm. I think with with each of these records, uh, I was really like really impacted or uh, obsessed in some way, uh, like almost traumatized by hearing them. Mm. Um, and it's, it's an experience I haven't had with music in a long time, but I, I, I love the way music can do that, you know, where like just something about the record, like it's not even any one of the songs. It's not like anything you can articulate precisely about the style, but it just kind of like hits you as this, this wave um, where something, I think with each of these, like it, they really triggered something in me that I was never able to explain, but they, that just kind of changed the way I think about music or the, the way, the way I want to write music. Um, mm. it's funny cause none of, you haven't mentioned what they are yet, but like none of, none of the, uh, acts that I, like, they're not my favorite bands or my favorite artists by any means. Mm. Um, some of them I don't even know that much about, but like, yeah, there, there's just this kind of thing that happens with music for me anyway, or has happened historically where I just like encounter a record and it's just so gripping and beautiful that it just like this like alchemy happens inside of me and I change. And I think each of these records had, had that happen. What answer. Okay, great. Let's get stuck in. Um, which record would you like to talk about first? Ayla? Oh, uh, I think the first one I listed was, um, page 99's document number eight. Nice. Cool. So, Let's start with, if you could give me a little introduction as to why this one is important to you. Sure. Uh, um, I encountered this record when I was in high school. The band no longer existed, so I never got to see them. Uh, the record had already come out, though I, I ended up seeing them a couple of years ago when they reunited. Uh, Patreon is not a very well-known band, so I don't, I don't know how, how many, I mean, they're, they're fairly well-known or they're very well-known in certain circles, but it, to me, it's something about the, the sort of union of, uh, screamo and black metal. Mm. Uh, I, I had been a, a fan of a lot of hardcore, like post-hardcore kind of like screamy, emotive punk music that was very epic and sad sounding and i was starting to get into uh scandinavian black metal which was like like i was like in a punk scene you know but and i was not in a black metal scene but mm. this music was kind of coming from across the pond or whatever and uh i was kind of fascinated with the darkness of it and the grandiosity of it and um and this record in some ways seemed to kind of synthesize uh, like it was, it's, it's a very emotive record, but mm. it's so fierce that it's kind of like necrotic also. Like it's really kind of, it's very violent. Uh, and, mm. and it also uses like kind of blast beats and kind of grindcore techniques. Um, and so it, it had this like, really personal quality to it still in, in spite of being so extreme. And uh, that's something that I have always pursued in, in writing music and making music that's sort of like the intensity is like an 11 out of 10, you know, you, you like it, it never stops. You, you can barely handle it, but it's not just like a heartless onslaught. It's actually really, really personal. And like, like it makes you want to cry even as you're uh, experiencing the violence of it. Tell me more about why was that screamo plus black metal combo so potent to you? I mean, you've talked about why it's pertinent given you were, you know, in this kind of punk scene and you were having black metal come into it, but what was it about 
it being synthesized which stayed with you yeah i it's a hard question to answer i i mean i i think it, it I, like i just felt a certain way at at the time i guess and mm. the music kind of satisfied there's just some kind of emotive emotional release i think that i w- was getting from music um that was just kind of like uh yeah i don't <laughs> i mean uh i think yeah i was you know having trouble sorting out yeah emotions and life <laughs> and this kind of thing but but like and and you know that's uh it's just very very emotional you know and and uh but then at the same time like there's something i i think i thought there was something kind of uh useful and experimental about the form also you know mm. where it's cuz like when you get to that point then you're also beginning to enter the territory of classical music um mm. you know where where it's like cuz it's just not music that's like of this world and you can you can do you can put great complexity into that form it's there's there's a kind of like spiritual like salvific quality to it as well though i mean i'm i'm not sure that was page 99's intention uh but that's you know because i was i was also discovering uh, you know zanakis and ligeti and like these kind of uh, avant-garde um classical composers who had mm. been writing in the you know 60s and 70s uh making these these like really fierce uh you know drone drone pieces that were microtonal and um yeah i don't know so it, it, maybe there was a certain usefulness that i saw in in, in the combination also to yeah. to just to answer the question in a less less like personal way yeah cuz i wonder as well it's this band grew right in terms of its personnel they reached kind of a point of having a fair few members i wonder if that kind of communal aspect meant that it just couldn't hold in its adherence to like one style it just suddenly becomes really complex because you can't you know once you've got that many people all pouring their energy in any refinement goes out the window do you know what i mean i wonder if that was in there too yeah maybe so yeah i always wondered sort of why they needed so many members in a way because <laughs> i don't think i mean they could make pretty much the same music with half the i think they just had two of everything basically yeah. and like um and i mean when i finally saw them live i mean they definitely sound huge live um yeah th- there was some sense i had at the time also just, yeah just of like music because like they were very very diy you know very very militantly like off the grid as, mm. as a band you know this wasn't like like they were only playing uh you know punk shows you know that were you know maybe not in legal spaces and stuff like that you know and mm. and th- there's there was something about that as that as well like the music being sort of so like outlaw like that uh which was uh, meaningful to me mhm yeah and tell me a bit more about seeing them live as well i mean that can always go in a lot of different directions right when a band gets back together and you get a chance to see them and the record that's really important to you predates that by some distance so yeah what was it like Oh, it was so good. It was I saw them at this at St. Vitus, which is a, a metal club in, in Brooklyn. That's mm-hmm. you know, great great place. Shout out St. Vitus. Uh yeah, I I tend to go check out bands from that era who reunite, which has been happening a fair amount in the past past little while and mm-hmm. uh it tends to be a little underwhelming, but in Page 99's case it was it was not at all. I was it was, it was easily the best show I've seen in recent recent memory. Oh, wow. That's great. And are there any tracks in particular on document number eight that protrude for you as favorites? Or if not, like as we're talking now, ones that just kind of leap into your head? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the first, the, the opening is really good. Yeah, the, the, the track one is called In Love with an Apparition. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that 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 track sort of encapsulates the whole record, you know, it just sort of you know, has this little sample uh about punk rock <laughs> uh 
and then it just you know immediately just blasts into this super tragic sounding riff that that like could easily just be a violin melody but it's on guitars uh and then there's this just like breakdown where it's kind of slows down and they do this uh sort of transposition and he's sort of screaming about it's like in love with a vampire or something it's just like really really sad and then (laughs) then they start like then they break it then then they get quieter and start like clapping and i, I don't know yeah it's it's just uh it's just a really sweeping opening track i highly recommend it there's that really cool one as well where um at the two bases kind of a hard pan either side uh and that's where i was like oh okay i hadn't realized that they had like that many personnel but i was like okay there must be two two bases going on here i enjoyed that one that was cool yeah yeah I, i've never really thought about the panning much but um yeah it's it's only certain moments where you get to appreciate there being two bases um but yeah i mean it's yeah i mean one can play low one can play high i think maybe godspeed your black emperor has two bases right is that no that, that might not be true but i, I think it is true they definitely um, double up on a lot of stuff yeah maybe two bases yeah uh, that, that band i was really into at the same time for for similar reasons uh because they they were just so so epic and sweeping hmm. um, but but still very punk yeah for sure um and i think as well my final question on document number eight you probably already answered this Hayla, but i'll put it to you anyway um this record is still important now it sounded like it made a big impact at the time and you've picked it for a list today uh, why has this continued to be a important record for you? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I mean, it's true. I still uh, return to it. And um, I mean, I think a lot of the records that are important to me today are recorded when I was a lot younger. Mm. Um, for for whatever reason, I guess, I guess a lot of people say that uh, once they're in their 30s, but um but but I, but I still think that it's i mean it's a very original record and and i think that like i would love to hear more music being made that that sounds like it um like like i don't think it's like cashed out as a as a style so um, mm. maybe that's a reason nice cool I should say I was in a band once and all the members that I joined with says we we want to sound like document number eight by page 99. And, uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was the only one who hadn't heard it and then we just ended up sounding like something different anyway so I didn't end up doing my uh, pre-reading so this is a belated opportunity for me to... Can can you... Yeah, yeah I wasn't sure whether you knew the record. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's kind of a part of lore within my circle of people that I hang out with and it's just never come up for me to listen to it so i was aware of oh great you know that it has this importance and for that you know yeah it's, it's that thing of proximity right like there, there are people in my immediate vicinity who shout about it so much i was like this must be globally known yeah but it's not it's really not <laughs> yeah right, uh, exactly you know uh i mean yeah i wasn't sure that if you if you knew it but i mean i mean also i mean that's another meaning of important i think like most i think most really great records are like that like most people don't know that they exist and then in certain very dedicated circles you know they're like utterly legendary you know mm. and and and, th- and this is a record like that like most like almost no one knows what this record is but uh but if you if you care if you really know what you're talking about then you know the record and you love it Okay, hey, let's go to your second important album. So, which one do you want to go for now? Um, let's put the coin. Uh, rock bottom. Nice, cool. So, 
as before, if you could give me an introduction as to why this one is important to you. Right. Uh, there's just, you know, it's funny because I don't actually, um, like, I don't know a lot of Robert Wyatt's music. And so there was something electrifying to me about encountering this particular record. And um, I, I know that part of what I like is that there's, on the one hand, this sort of immediacy and tunefulness in terms of the songwriting. You know, they're they're really sort of, um, they're like singer-songwriter mm. type songs, kind of. Um, but then on, on most of the tracks, uh, you know, he performs some sort of experiment that is really, really confident and really odd, um, but really like well-rendered and distilled mm-hmm. that just like makes the track just like totally insane. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and it's just so, uh, it's so psychedelic to experience it because it's like, uh, you know, you really, you really can just sing along with these tracks if you want to. They're very personal feeling, but then they're, yeah, they're, 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 they're very strange, but, but strange, strange in a way where it's not like, um, you don't you, you don't gloss over it and label it in your mind as like experimental music, mm. uh, you know. And uh, and and I really I really value that sweet spot uh, between between like music as something as a vehicle for conveying emotional expression and songwriting craftsmanship, but then um, being just like just like really bizarre in a tasteful way. And I. I've, I've tried to emulate that a lot in Liturgy's music. That sounds almost like a similar kind of tension you were describing with Page 99, where you've got this wall of, kind of very violent sound, but then a personal thing imbued inside it. I mean, do you see that as a kind of similar thing going on here? Do you think they're comparable? Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a, I guess it's, it's similar. It's a similar dialectic between like, between tuneful immediacy and something else, I guess, yeah. Mm. But like in page ninety nine, it's uh, violence, and and Robert Wyatt, it's experimentation, I guess, or you know, strangeness. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, and and that's something I m- most music I like has has tension between you know just like sheer sheer songwriting con- conveyance of emotion and then you know s- something more uh, mm. so so yeah i so i'm not yeah that that dialectic is there too how did you discover rock bottom how did it come into your life uh i have no idea um <laughs> it, it, it 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 was also probably i was in high school or maybe i was in college or something i, I was it's, it's been a while uh yeah, I don't know. Maybe your friend showed it to me. Mm. I um, I actually forgot. Or I was just talking to my other friend about it, like just earlier today, and she reminded me that uh, he fell out of a window uh, right right before making this record. So I think that he, he, a lot of it was written before. But like, I think there's something to that too. That there's you can kind of feel the. There's there's just like trauma on the record um, hmm. that that gives it extra power, perhaps. I saw that he wrote that he was kind of making this music in a trance-like state after the accident, which feels really palpable during, particularly the more unspooled sections of the record, like the latter half of the first track. Um, do you have? favorite track on this one it's hard i mean yeah it's uh it's a really even i mean they're all really really good (laughs) yeah um yeah i think but maybe like the end like the ending track it's one of the little red riding hood ones i forget exactly what the title is but there's this kind of like um uh reversed uh sort of horn 
horn sample or horn recording that just kind of goes on and on that that's really powerful the final moment of the album is really really powerful i think um but i but i never listen to just one tra- i guess to say that i never listen to just one track in this album i sort of start start and then just kind of take take in the whole thing mm, nice and you mentioned that you hadn't listened to much other robert wyatt music is that still the case or did this kind of impel you out into listening to more of robert's music uh, I, I've checked out other records of his and other, you know, projects that he's been in and, you know, which are well-known and stuff, but, uh, no, nothing has grabbed my attention like this record, which isn't, which isn't a judgment or anything, but I, mm. I kind of like when, I, when there's just one record by someone that I really love, um, like that, that, that sort of, it, it makes, it makes, it makes the music feel anonymous in this way where it's not like. It's not like a cult of that person. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh yeah, of course. Their their new album, I like it, or whatever. Is this so this is a record that's still important to you now? Again, I, I wondered if you had any thoughts as to what continues to make this record like really engaging for you, what what keeps you coming back? Mm, yeah. Uh yeah, I guess that's a hard question for you to answer, kinda of like last time. Like it's it's uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, certain records I definitely used to like, and then I kind of haven't listened to in a long time, and this, this isn't one of them. Uh, it still, it still moves me. Um, but I don't know. I, I would have to make something up about like why, <laughs> why exactly. You know, it just, I just, I just still like it. your last important record uh, again if you could give me the name of it and then a bit of an introduction as to why it's important to you too so it's Alice Coltrane Lord of Lords and this record it's a really really good record um, mm. uh, has has a really good first track also a, a little bit like the page 99 record it just kind of like um, go, you know, starts with a bang mm. and just kind of, just kind of keeps going. Um, so, uh, Lord of Lords is a record from late in Alice Coltrane's career, sort of part of a real, like spiritual like trilogy. And, um, you know, it's, it, 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 there's a string orchestra in most of it, maybe all of it. And she's, um, uh, invoking uh, classical works, like 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 it's kind of you know the, the record is at the intersection of jazz and classical music, um, but really it's closer to classical. I, I think the whole thing is pretty much scored, uh, maybe with some improvisation, and um, but it's kind of like classical from the jazz imagination, you know. Yeah. And I I really like. I really like that type of thing. Um, like a, the the Ornette Coleman record, Skies of America, is similar. Sort of mm. like a jazz person using uh, strings, um, where it's just like, you know, it's really a, a powerful spiritual experience and it's very emotive and um, really kind of it i don't know i think the record just does what it sort of seems to seek to be doing you know it's a very Mm -hmm. it's a very cosmic experience that it creates and there's there's a lot of you know cosmic supposedly cosmic music out there which is just boring um (laughs) and and this is not that like it's really it really just succeeds it's and it's important to me in that it's like this even more so than the other two records uh, is like something. It's it's an experience that I really seek to create in music. 
um, by 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 other means, though. Um, though in in some ways by similar means too, but it's it, yeah, just kind of a blueprint for just like really ecstatic, well written cosmic music that kind of moves you. And is that what you mean by the kind of music that you want to create? I mean, it's so interesting, right? Hearing it in the context of it being one of your important records. I think um, particularly on that first track, Andromeda's Suffering, you have this combination of these strings in these huge blocks of sound. And then sometimes Alice's piano sort of hammering beneath, you know, like one note for a continuous period while these strings are going on in this big block, which I think because yeah. I was hearing them in this context of, of your important records felt almost reminiscent of the way in which you have these blocks of sound, but also pulsations within it. And it feels incredibly like literal to be putting this to you. But I mean, do you, do you think that that kind of aesthetic is any source of connection with this record for you? Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, all of these records, I think I picked because I, I feel connected like I feel like they're connected to liturgy's music somehow, you know, or mm. like, I, I think this, with this one, I think I was maybe, I forget when I encountered this album. It might've been after it already started. Like liturgy had found its voice or whatever, but it was around a similar time. Um, yeah. I, I feel very, I, I feel a very similar musical, spiritual signature to that of Alice Coltrane. I feel I feel very like on the same page with her. Uh at least especially in the music of this era for her. Also, so Stravinsky's Firebird is sort of quoted in this record. And mm. she said that she had an experience of sort of like contacting Stravinsky in a dream uh or something like that, you know, in a vision and sort of him telling her to to do it. And I, I kind of had an experience like that with uh, Olivier Messiaen, uh, for uh, which is wh- how one of the records, one of the tracks on our last record of Origin of the Alimonies came about, where it was, I sort of felt, so, so Messiaen is another kind of composer in this vein, you know, uh, he's making very avant-garde music that's very spiritual at the same time. And, and he's also practicing Christian specifically. Uh, like me and uh, um, I think maybe that happens I think that every now and then like composers like contact each other from like the afterlife and like <laughs> and, like to tell to, to, to tell them to uh, you know quote their music uh, so uh, oh. I, I, I didn't I, I didn't uh, learn about that happening without school training until uh much later on but yeah so th- there's something there too there's something really magical was were you just gasping i just love that i mean that's wonderful because okay. <laughs> so, sorry yeah the um because alice coltrane the stravinsky thing i read that she mentioned that he presented her with a small glass vial containing a clear colorless liquid um mm. which is such an ace image how much can you absolutely cool you'd rather not but how much can you tell me about your equivalent experience or similar experience with with messian um i mean it was nothing it was nothing like that there's no yeah, there's no like glass vial or anything but <laughs> um i mean it's something that i've always kind of done or i sort of meditate on like figures who i feel connected to sort of like artistic ancestors and if you do that for long enough, you know, he starts sort of interacting with them. And yeah, he's, I don't know, but, but like it sort of works better with some than with others. So I don't really know what's going on with that stuff, but um, that it, it's just strange how certain, certain, like uh, that organ piece. So the piece is called Apparition of the Eternal Church, and it's on the previous liturgy record, and it's based on an organ piece by Messiaen. And, um, and like, it's not one of his major pieces by any means, or even one that 
was like especially influential on me, but I just kind of felt a sense that like I had that it was like my task or whatever to like turn that into a kind of black metal classical composition. And, uh, you know, I, I, I obey stuff like that a lot, uh, especially in, in terms of creative decisions. Like it sort of feels like it, it's all part of art. You just kind of get, get messages and you're obeying. You don't even realize why. Did you have similar experiences with this late liturgy record as well? Um, in terms of a uh, like a sort of composer figure uh, giving instructions or something like that, or, or I would maybe, say no. I mean, yeah. well, but I mean, that certain random things like 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 the choice to include previous liturgy compositions in different forms, like um, something like that. You know, like there's, I felt sort of like there's no good reason for it, but I just kind of did it anyway because I just sort of felt like I was being instructed to. But, but also in terms of like a spiritual germ or something uh, of connection, it is, I, I will mention again that uh, 666 by Aphrodite's Child was very present in this record. It's like, it's, 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 it's a double CD and it's sort of, it's about the apocalypse. Um, but it's like a prog rock record that had a similar, it hit me hard in a similar way as the ones that I've mentioned. And, uh, and just, just even like the number, like nine, three, six, nine, six and six, 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 like mm. there was a, there's definitely a communion. There's, there's a sort of some kind of, uh, tradition communion between this, this record and, and that record. So people who are curious, go, go check that one out. Yeah, I'll pop a link in the show notes for that one too. Um, so it sounds like you were, with Alice Coltrane, drawn to this trilogy of records around this era. So I'm, I'm guessing it's universal consciousness in this list as well. I, I can't recall what the third one is that would make that. Trilogy. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember either. I mean, again, it's really just this one. Um, mm. it's a little bit like Robert Wyatt. Uh, I like I've I've heard the other records in her in that trilogy, and I mean she has tons and tons of music, and I've, and I've heard a lot of it. But there's f- for me and my and my just pantheon of things I love. Uh, th- this one record jumps out, um, and I wouldn't wouldn't put any other Alice Coltrane composition or or record on that level. one more question for you and it's relates to how you tend to buy and listen to music day to day I mean do you have preferred formats do you have preferred places that you go and buy music like yeah tell me a bit about that um one thing I like is uh classical vinyl which is uh it's nice because there's not that big of a market for it so if you go out and buy you know like wagner's operas on vinyl you can get it for pretty cheap it's sort of not considered considered to be like that that valuable Mm -hmm. um so i like that and other than that i pretty much just kind of click around on the internet (laughs) i i i don't yeah i I used to collect records sort of but I, i don't anymore um and i mean i don't i don't have spotify actually i i i I did at one point but i don't currently um but yeah i i i really listen to classical music more than anything else uh these days and Hmm. uh so and 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 i like listening to that on vinyl or or just on the internet but yeah nice sorry there was actually one other question because something snagged my attention that you mentioned 
very early on in this conversation, which is about these records that you picked had a really profound impact on you. And you mentioned that that hasn't happened so much recently. Like, when was the peak of that happening? And has has that, yeah, those experiences just not come through as prominently for you then in the time since? Uh, I think the peak of it happening was probably when I was like six or seven or something. Um, Because I, I mean, I was obsessed with music as a little kid. Like, I was so obsessed. Uh, Like, Siamese Dream by the Smashing Pumpkins was like the first album that I ever loved. And, you know, I, I, immediately got a guitar and I was just playing guitar all the time. And I mean, I, I loved, I, I mean, I still really love music. I mean, obviously I love, really love music. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it hit me really hard, really early. And I was, it was still very, you know, definitely. Yeah. I mean, probably it just has been getting a little bit less intense with every year that I've been alive. Started starting, starting from age six. Well, Hala, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I've loved the three records that you picked. Uh, I absolutely adore the new Liturgy records. I'm really grateful for your time and energy talking to me today about these records. It's been great. Yeah, very, very fun conversation. Thanks for, thanks for having me. To everyone listening, I'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>